You're listening to the Christchurch Mequon Podcast, where every day we're lifting lives and elevating Christ, a church for those not here yet. For more information and resources, visit our website, ChristchurchMequon.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this relevant message from Pastor Mike Skunas. All right. Hey, good morning, Christ Church. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, I want to welcome you guys all that we at Christ Church, we are all about lifting lives, elevating Christ, and being a church for those who are not here yet. And it's so good to be in worship with you, whether you're here in the East Auditorium, whether you're joining us over in West, or you're joining us online this morning, it is just good for us to be together. My name is Pastor Mike. I'm one of the pastors here on our pastoral team. And for the past three weeks, we have been going through a message series called No Offense. Because We know that it is a reality that when we interact with a broken world, with broken and messy people, we are bound to be offended by the different opinions and perspectives that we run into on a daily basis. And one of the things that we know is that we don't necessarily get the choice whether we're going to be offended or not, that we're going to run into those people that are going to offend us regardless, but we do have a choice on how we respond. And so we've been spending some time the last few weeks talking about how we as Christ followers respond to a messy and broken and offensive world. Now this week, what we're talking about is how we avoid letting that offense that enters into our lives, how we avoid letting it become and turn into cynicism and bitterness. Because here's, here's the reality. It is easy for us to be offended by a world filled with broken people, But as we experience that hurt and that offense over and over again, often by the very same people again and again, it's really easy to become cynical, especially when offensive people don't seem to change. When those behaviors that people come at us with that just make us go, oh, like, why are people like this? It's so easy for us to give up on people and say, look, they're not worth my time anymore. I don't, I'm not even sure that God will ever change their hearts and try to distance ourselves and cut those type of people out of our lives altogether. And so that's why we need to talk about how we avoid becoming cynical and bitter with the world. Because I think that Jesus has something greater for us than being resigned to our own sense of bitterness. Now, there are lots of different types of people who make us feel bitter and cynical, but I want to talk about two types of people specifically that make us cynical. People who don't only just offend us, but they actually kind of ruin it for everybody else, that we end up having a really poor view and outlook on human nature because of these two specific types of people. And in order to help demonstrate how that offense turns to cynicism, um, I'm going to employ the help of a friend. um, Because I think this person has a very good understanding of human nature. And uh, her lyrics in particular um, have something to say about our world. <laughs> now, the, 
the first type of person that we encounter that makes us cynical is the jerk. They're the type of person that as soon as they walk in the room, you can feel your body just start to tense up because you know that they're just going to say something or do something that is going to be mean or rude or offensive. And you know that they're going to do it over and over again. And this might be a coworker, it might be a family member, it might be a neighbor, but these are the type of people who have no regard for the emotional well-being of the people around them. And that they just kind of say whatever it is on the top of their head, regardless of how it affects other people. And this person, I think, causes us to be cynical in a very specific way. And I think that Taylor Swift does a good job of pointing it out in this lyric from All Too Well, in which she says, and you call me up again just to break me like a promise, so casually cruel in the name of being honest. You see, the way that the jerk causes us to be cynical is that it seems like they are out to break us. That again and again, they want to have power and control over us by saying the meanest thing possible. And what makes us cynical is that sometimes when we gather, gather up the courage to confront this person who is a jerk, sometimes they deflect and they are not able to say sorry. They're not able to apologize because they say, look, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest. You guys ever had that? I sure have. And I think one of the tough things is that as this person feels self-righteous and justified in their behavior and what they say and what they do, they are unwilling to change and we begin to get cynical that that person will ever have their hearts softened. And I think that sometimes we as religious people, sometimes we as Christians even fall into this trap of being the jerk. That sometimes we can get so absorbed in our own sense of self-righteousness that sometimes we are that offensive person in other people's lives. That sometimes we can have a tendency to wrap our own cruelty in a cross and call it truth. And so we're on guard not just for the people who offend us, but for the ways that we participate in this as well. Now, I think the second type of person that really makes us cynical is the hot mess. Um, and this is the person who uh, just can't seem to get it together. Uh, this might be a family member or a friend. Um, it might be an ex. But this is the type of person who continues to break their promises over and over again. They don't show up when you need them to. They're the type of people who cheats and lies and just overall, like, is really married to addiction, and they just can't seem to get it together. And I think these people that tend to wear their sin right on their sleeve, everybody is able to see the ways in which they are messy. But I think what makes us cynical is that sometimes in recognizing their own sin, they say, well, I'm going to get better. I'm going to change, I swear. And that's why this Taylor Swift lyric like really resonates when it says, you say, baby, I miss you and I swear I'm going to change. Trust me. Remember how that lasted for a day? You see, what makes us cynical about the hot mess is that these people often are able to say, I'm sorry. And, but when they promise that they are going to live differently, 
It doesn't last very long that they're on the right path and they just go back to those same destructive behaviors over and over again. And so we begin to ask ourselves, how is it that we are able to avoid cynicism when we come across these offensive people and they seem to make no effort to change? That nothing changes in the behavior of these offensive people that we have to interact with day in and day out. And I wish I had a good answer for you, for myself, but I don't. So we got to turn to Jesus and ask ourselves, how is it that Jesus responds to the jerks and people who are a mess? Because I think Jesus gives us some insight, not only how we interact with, but how we view those people that we interact with. He doesn't have something just to say about how we should act, but how we should see the people around us, and that helps us avoid being cynical. So there's this story from the Gospel of Luke, which is one of our eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, in which Jesus is eating with a bunch of teachers of the law, Pharisees. And when he's with these teachers of the law, Uh, The Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now, instantly you might be able to identify the two archetypes in this verse. You have the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law who feel self-righteous, and they're willing in their self-righteousness to say something really mean. Jesus, why do you eat with those scummy people over there, those sinners that can't get it together? And then obviously we have our messes. We have our sinners and our tax collectors who seem to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. But watch how Jesus responds to this accusation that These Pharisees are like, why would you even bother hanging out with these messy people? And when Jesus hears this, he tells them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. In fact, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You see, one of the ways that Jesus avoids being cynical in the presence of messy people is that he doesn't see them as offensive people who will never change, but he sees them as people who are sick and in need of healing, in need of forgiveness and grace. And this, in fact, is Jesus' whole mission. This is his call from God. His call is not to those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners, who know they are broken and messy and can't do anything right. And so Jesus avoids cynicism by staying on mission. That his mission is to heal humanity, to bring reconciliation between people and God and people and their neighbors. And because he is on mission, he is able to see these people not as lost causes, but as people in need of help. And so we look at that as Christians and we say, look, part of what keeps us from getting cynical when we run into jerks and messy people 
is that it is the very people who cause our cynicism that are the source of his mission. If Jesus is the doctor, y'all are the nurses. You guys are the front line of God's mission in this world who are preparing and pointing people towards Jesus. That you have some ability to heal, but ultimately we leave that ultimate healing in the hands of Jesus Christ. And so what would it look like if when you in your life run into people who seem like jerks all the time or seem like messes that just can't get it together? What would change in your life if you started seeing those people not as, again, lost causes, but as people in need of healing and redemption? I think our lives would change a lot. And in fact, it's this mindset shift that Jesus attempts to do in another situation where he is eating with some Pharisees. And it comes from Luke 7, 36 through 50. Now the story goes that Jesus is at the house of Simon, the Pharisee, and eating with other teachers of the religious law. And they're having a really great meal together when all of a sudden they are interrupted by this woman who bursts through the door, weeping and crying. And she's holding a large alabaster jar of expensive perfume. And as she walks into the door, she kneels down at Jesus' feet and begins washing his feet with her tears and pouring this expensive perfume over his feet. And the other people that are eating dinner with Jesus are horrified because they know the reputation of this woman. She is someone that they all know is a sinful person and has a reputation in the community of being immoral. And so there's a look of shock and disgust on the faces of the other dinner guests as Jesus is having his feet washed by this woman. And Jesus sees inside of people's hearts by the reactions on their faces. And he knows that inside their heads they are thinking, man, if this guy was really a prophet, he wouldn't let her touch his feet. If he really was from God, he would know that this is not the type of person that you want to associate with. And so seeing the shocked looks on the other dinner guests' faces, Jesus asked his host, Simon. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon goes, go ahead, teacher. What do you have to say? And Jesus says, look, there were two men who borrowed money. One of the men borrowed 500 denarii, 500 pieces of silver. And the other borrowed 50 denarii, or 50 pieces of silver. Now, neither of these people were able to pay their lender back, but the lender, in his grace and mercy, forgave them both. And he says, Simon, which of these two people do you think is more grateful? And Simon goes, well, I suppose the one who is forgiven the greater debt. And Jesus says, yes, you're right. 
You see, you're sitting here and judging this woman, but I want you to look at her, to give her the dignity that you have not yet given her. Because look, Simon, when I walked into your house, you didn't give me a bowl of water to wash my own feet in. And yet this woman, this woman is washing my feet with her tears and wiping it away with her hair. Jesus says to Simon, look, when I walked into your house, I expected the hospitality for you to greet me with a hug or with a kiss, and you didn't. But this woman, from the moment she got in here, has not stopped kissing my feet. And he says, Simon, when I wanted to be cleaned from the dirt of the day, you didn't give me oil to anoint myself with. And this woman has taken her most expensive perfume and poured it all over my feet. And he says to Simon, he says, I tell you her sins, they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. You see, just like the person who is forgiven 500 pieces of silver, this woman is able to have a sense of love and gratitude for other people, knowing the depths in which she has been forgiven. And Simon, Simon is like the person who has only been forgiven a little and still holds on to some of his own righteousness, saying, well, maybe if I had a little bit more time, I could have paid it back myself. But then Jesus is like, I'm, I'm not I'm done talking to you, Simon. Let me talk to this woman. And he turns to her and he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And the reaction of the men around the table was this. They said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see... Jesus is on mission by bringing healing and forgiveness to the people who have messed up the most. That his grace is for us all, but he knows that it has the greatest impact on those who struggle the most to keep it together. And then that grace and that mercy, that brings salvation. Because one of the ways that Jesus avoids becoming cynical is that Jesus, to the deepest depths of his being, believes that messy people are still worth saving. And the messy people in your lives, Jesus sees them as worth saving too. That whatever baggage they come into your life with, no matter how many times they've hurt you, do not forget that Jesus sees them as people worthy of redemption and reconciliation. And it's not just for the messy people because Jesus also holds out hope for those that can be a jerk sometimes. That when we show forgiveness and mercy and love to other people, that can soften their hearts too. That he comes to forgive the debts not only of the person with a great debt, but also those with a little debt as well. Knowing that mercy changes people.
And one of the ways that we see Jesus' care for the jerk as well as the mess is in the story of Nicodemus. And now Nicodemus, I wouldn't necessarily say that Nicodemus is a jerk. It's hard to read his story and classify him as such. Um, But it is pretty obvious that he spends a lot of his time hanging out with jerks. You see, Nicodemus is one of these Pharisees, one of these teachers of religious law, but he's also a part of the Sanhedrin, which is uh, a governing body of uh, other religious people, particularly in Jerusalem. And so he's surrounded by people who are judgmental and mean all the time, and so much so that when he wants to meet Jesus, he has to do so under the cover of darkness because he knows that if his friends found out that he was hanging out with Jesus, that they would judge him and think that maybe he was a sinful person as well. And so the first time that Nicodemus comes to Jesus, they have this great conversation that begins to move Nicodemus' heart, even though he doesn't quite understand all the things that Jesus is saying to him. And this conversation is so important. We actually get one of our most famous verses from the Bible from this conversation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son to die for us so that we might have eternal life comes from this conversation with a Pharisee, somebody who hangs out with jerks all day. And Nicodemus' heart begins to soften even more when he witnesses Jesus healing a man who is blind on the Sabbath. And when he is talking with other Pharisees, they are all upset that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day and broke the law. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus' defense, recognizing The healing that he has brought into this man's life is a part of God's mission. And ultimately, we see where Nicodemus' heart is fully converted because Nicodemus is there at the cross. That this guy who very easily could have gone on living his life as a jerk surrounded by other jerks, he is there at Jesus' death and he helps in the preparation and the burial of his body. And this is good news for us. That whether we see ourselves as the jerk or the mess, Jesus' mission is for us. Because it's not just the case that we have to deal with people who are offensive, but we are the people who are offensive. That each and every day to somebody else, we might be the jerk and we might be the hot mess. And Jesus has come to save us just as much as he's come to save others. Because when it comes down to it, Jesus believes that we are still worth saving. That what he did on the cross and what he continues to do after the resurrection is to bring redemption and reconciliation between us and our neighbor and between us and God. Because no matter how messy we are, no matter how self-righteous we are, Jesus has never given up on us. And he never will. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that even in the middle of our own sin, even in our own ways that we screw up and we hurt, 
other people and we dishonor you. God, we give you thanks that you have forgiven us. God, we ask that as we continue to navigate our relationships with other people, that you can soften our hearts. Help us to see them not as lost causes, but as people deeply in need of your love and your healing. Help us to avoid becoming cynical with the world and closing ourselves off from others. But help us to see your will and your way be lived out here on earth as it is in heaven. And so God, we ask you, come into our lives. Work with us, partner with us, so that we might do your work and do your will so that your kingdom might come now and in the life that is to come. We love you so much, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Christchurch Mequon podcast. Find your next step and let us know how we can be praying for you at Christchurchmequon.life slash podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and until next week, God bless.